There's power in worshiping the Lord. Amen. He's worthy. Matthew chapter 27, if you stand with us this morning. I'll tell you what, I got up this morning at 2 o'clock, and uh, the Lord just woke me up, and I just spent the early morning hours with the Lord, and He gave me some scriptures and verses this morning, and not just about preaching, but I tell you, there's nothing like serving Jesus. Amen. And uh, He's real, isn't He? Amen. And uh, he's been real to me today, and I just thank him for that. And I love him, and uh, I'm not everything I want to be. I'm not everything I ought to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Amen. Amen. And uh, I'm not what I'm going to be neither. Hallelujah. There's a better day coming. Matthew 27 and verse number 11. The Bible says, And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest, and when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a noble prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For you knew that for envy they had delivered him. And when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders pers persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released, then, then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Let's bow for prayer, and then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we bow in your holy presence once again this morning, God, I pray, I pray this morning in Jesus' name, that name that is above every name. Spirit of God, I pray that you'd fall fresh on us this morning. I pray that you would help us. Lord, we don't want to impress Anyone, we don't want to do something this morning to draw attention to ourselves. but I pray the Holy Ghost would take this message and would speak to every heart in this building. Lord, I pray that not one sinner would leave lost this morning, but God, everyone here that's lost under the sound of the gospel would be saved this morning. I pray the Holy Ghost would do His work and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture this morning that this passage opens and it closes with Jesus and Pilate. The Bible said in verse number 11, and Jesus stood before the governor. And then in verse number 26, the Bible says in the latter part that when he scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And so here is a conversation that is taking place and that is going on between Jesus and Pilate. And it's in this conversation here that we see the confusion of Pilate. Pilate, there's a couple things that he just does not understand. He does not understand the sovereignty of Jesus in verse 11. He says, art thou the king of the Jews? And he doesn't understand the silence of Jesus in verse 12 and 14 as the Bible says that when he was accused of the chief priests and elders that he answered nothing. 
And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. And so uh, we find here that where Pilate is confused about Jesus, he has never seen a prisoner like the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to say, there's never been a man like Jesus. Amen. And so he talks about the confusion uh, uh, of Pilate in this conversation. We see that. We also see here the, the custom of Pilate as the Bible tells us in verse number 14 down to verse number 17 that it was their custom that once a year at the feast of the Passover that Pilate would release a prisoner at the request of the of the crowd. And so he brings forth Jesus and Barabbas, the Bible says, who was a notable prisoner. And he asked the crowd, which of these two would you that I release? Uh, and of course, we know that they cried Barabbas. And so in this conversation, we see the confusion of Pilate. Uh, we see here uh, uh, the custom of Pilate, something that he did every year. And then we see the companion of Pilate. Notice in verse number 19 that the Bible says that his wife comes to him and she says, have nothing to do with this just man. She said, I've suffered many things in a dream because of him. Uh, this was more than a dream. I want to say it was a nightmare. Amen. Hey, can I stop and say the Holy Ghost knows how to keep every one of us awake at night. He knows how to stir our slumbering sleep. And history tells us that Pilate was uh, killed some uh, years after that he uh, stepped down from his position of governor. History says that he committed suicide, but it also says that his wife was converted from Judaism to Christianity. Amen. And so what took place in this passage of scripture no doubt got a hold of her and stayed with her throughout the rest of her life. And so we see the companion of Pilate in our text. And then and I want you to notice in verse 24 we see the cleansing of Pilate as the Bible says that he washed his hands before the crowd as to say that he was innocent. But can I tell you something this morning? Man cannot clean himself. Amen. And Pilate did whatever sinner tries to do. He tries to free himself from the blood of Jesus Christ. He tries to cleanse himself. It's going to take more than water to cleanse a man. Amen. Baptism will not wash our sins away. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. The songwriter had it right when he said, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. And so Pilate knew very well what he was doing and that he did wrong. And we see the cleansing of Pilate. And then our text closes with the cruelty of Pilate as the word of God said that he took Jesus and he scourged him and had him crucified. Now Pilate was no Sunday school boy, amen. The Bible said in Luke chapter 13 and verse number one that he mingled the blood of the Galileans with the blood of the sacrifice. And here Pilate takes an innocent man because of his own will and his own desires and because he was a coward before the people. He takes an innocent man and he scourges him. But everything else in our text, above everything else that we could see here, there's one thing that stands out above all these others. And it's the curiosity of Pilate. There are seven questions in this text this morning. I'm not going to preach these seven questions. I'm just going to preach one of them. But there are seven questions in this conversation that Pilate has with Jesus that reveals the curiosity of Pilate as he is before Jesus. He said in verse number 11, Art thou the king of the Jews? He said in verse number 13, Hearest thou how many things they witness against thee? In verse 17, he said, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? 
He said in verse number 21, whether of the twain will you that I release unto you? Verse 23, what? Why? What evil hath he done? And these are not the only questions that Pilate asked concerning Jesus. In John chapter 18 and verse 35, Jesus asked, or Pilate asked Jesus, am I a Jew? In verse 37, he said, art thou a king then? In verse 38, he asked that famous question, what is true? In John 19 in verse number 9 and 10, he said, whence art thou speakest thou not, or he said, why speakest thou not to me? He said, knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and power to release thee? Now, Pilate had many questions about Jesus and we see the curiosity of Pilate in this text, but there is no greater question that Pilate asked than the one that we see in verse number 22. Notice what Pilate says here in verse 22. He says, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? I think amongst the 13 questions that we have read and mentioned here that Pilate asked concerning Jesus, I think the ultimate question that Pilate asked was this question here, Brother Lamar, where he says, what have I to do with Jesus, which is called Christ? I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject, on the ultimate question, amen? Because the question that Pilate asked is not just a question for Pilate, but it is a question for every one of us in this building this morning. Whether you're saved or whether you're lost, uh, this question applies to our life this morning. What shall we do with the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, I ask you that question this morning as we think about Pilate in this text here. Do you realize that Pilate did everything he could to evade his responsibility concerning Jesus Christ? Uh, he wanted to get away from this responsibility of facing Christ on a personal manner. Is that not what every sinner wants to do this morning? They want to live their life and avoid the big question concerning Jesus Christ and that is what will you do with Jesus? Amen. Pilate tried many times in our text and in other passages of scripture to pawn Jesus off on someone else. He said to the Jews in John 18 and verse number 31 he said take ye him and judge him according to your law. He tried to give Jesus to the the Jews. He sent him to Herod in Luke chapter 23 and verse 7. The Bible says as soon as he knew he belonged to Herod that he sent him to Herod. And then he offered uh, to scourge and to release Jesus in John chapter number Luke 23 and verse 22. He said I find no fault in him. He said I will therefore chasten him and let him or chastise him and let him go. And then he offered to release him at the Passover in our text uh, when he brought Barabbas and Jesus before this crowd. I'm simply saying this, uh, that Pilate did everything he could to try to get Jesus out of his life without ever facing Christ uh, for himself. A lot of people try to do that. They try to avoid Christianity. They try to avoid the church. Uh, they try to avoid the preacher. They try not to read a gospel track. Uh, many times people, uh, the Bible says in the book of Romans uh, that they do not want to retain God in their knowledge. Amen. Do you know what hell is tonight, friend, or this morning? Hell is a place where that throughout eternity you will never have to think of God again. Hell is a Christless eternity. Hell is a place where there's no invitations given. Hell is a place where there's no gospel tracts to be read. 
Hell is a place of no church steeples and no preachers and no sermons and no Christians praying over your soul. Hell is a place where no one will ever bother you again. No one will ever ask you to be saved. No one will ever give you the gospel. No one will ever talk about the Romans road. Hell is a place where you'll never see Calvary. You'll never see the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a Christless eternity. What hell is is what every sinner really wants. They want an eternity where there is no God only to find out that an eternity without God is the most miserable and the most painful and the most awful place you could ever imagine. I ask you the question this morning, what will you do with Jesus? Amen. There's three things this morning that we should consider concerning this thought. What will you do with Jesus? I want to say number one, will you receive Jesus? Amen. You see, that's the first thing that you can do with Jesus this morning. You can receive him, not just in salvation, but in service, amen. You see, there's a lot of people that's got saved, but they drew a line in the sand and they've said spiritually, this is as far as I'm gonna go with God. But you've got to do more with Jesus than just get saved, amen. And you've got to do more with Jesus than just get by. He didn't save you just to pull you from the burning, but he saved you that he might own you and that he might take your life and mold it and fashion it and make it to what he would have you to be. I say to every sinner this morning, will you receive him in salvation? I say to every saved person this morning, will you receive him in service? Are you tired of being saved and just sitting on a pew doing nothing? Are you tired of just going through the motions? And just going to church, there's so much more. I'm not talking about necessarily uh, doing service and in the fact of just working and wearing titles and those are things that we do. But I'm talking about the reality of God and the reality of Jesus in your everyday life. Amen. You see, Jesus doesn't want a slave. He wants a servant. Amen. And the difference between a servant and a slave is a slave does what he has, what he does because he has to. But a servant does what he wants. What does because he wants to. Amen. I like what the songwriter said when he said, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Amen. I'm telling you the best thing that ever happened to me, as the songwriter said, was when I took off the old coat and I put on the new. Amen. When I met the Lord Jesus Christ in the free pardon of sin. What about you this morning? If you was to die right now, would you go to heaven? Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you received his life this morning? There's a lot of people that says they're saved, but they have no life spiritually. The Bible said in Ephesians 2 and verse number 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. I remember a time when I was dead in trespasses and sin. The number one evidence of being saved is that there's spiritual life on the inside of you. How do you say, preacher, how do you know if there's spiritual life on the inside of you? Because if you're spiritually alive, then you're alive to the spiritual things of God. That book will become alive to you. Prayer will become alive to you. Serving God will come alive to you. Worshiping and praising God will come alive to you. Amen. A man said to me one 
one time. He said, I don't like to go to church where there's all that screaming. Well, if you're not saved, it's screaming, amen? But if you've been born again, it's old time shouting, amen? It don't make me nervous when somebody shouts. It makes me nervous when nobody shouts, amen? It doesn't make me nervous when somebody testifies. It makes me nervous when nobody testifies. But I do remember a time when I wasn't saved and somebody would mention Jesus' name. And listen, I'd get awful nervous. I'd start hunting me a way out. Oh, but I remember when Zacchaeus come out of that sycamore tree in Luke chapter 19. Brother Jack, the Bible says that he received him gladly. Amen. I'm telling you, that's how I received the Lord. God swung me out over hell. Reminded me I couldn't do nothing to save myself. Reminded me I was going there in a handbasket. And my friend, that I needed to be saved. Old time conviction fell on my soul. And brother, when the Holy Ghost appointed me to bloody Calvary and said, you don't have to go there. There's somebody that loved you. There's somebody that died for you. There's somebody that wants to save you. I ran to an old fashioned altar, fell on my knees, bowed my head and accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen and I received his life, amen. And I wanna say this morning, will you receive his love, amen. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. The Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible said, herein is love, not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. The Bible said, behold, what man manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I want to say this morning, the greatest love you'll ever experience, the greatest love you'll ever feel, the greatest love you'll ever know is to know the love of God, is to know it passeth all knowledge. Thank God I'm glad he loves me. Amen. I want to say with the little children, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. I'm glad he love sinners. I'm glad he loved you. I'm glad he loved me. I'm glad he loved me when I didn't love him. Oh, the love of God. It's greater far than tell your pen can ever tell. Amen. Hallelujah. I love him and he loves me. And he's altogether lovely, amen. Everything about him is lovely this morning. His word is lovely. His spirit is lovely. His people is lovely. Thank God his promises are lovely. He is altogether lovely this morning. Will you receive his love? Will you receive his life? And will you receive his lordship? I'm glad he's Lord this morning. That doesn't, that doesn't bother me. Jesus Christ is Lord of the living and he's Lord of the dead this morning. Thank God he is Lord of the high and he is Lord of the low. He's Lord of the guilty and he's Lord of the innocent. He's Lord of the bond and he's Lord of the free. Thank God. He's Lord of heaven and he's Lord of hell this morning. He's Lord of my friend. It doesn't matter what generation you step into. He is Lord. He's always been Lord and he'll always be Lord. He's Lord of the black man and he's Lord of the white man. Thank God he's Lord my friend of the rich and he's Lord of the poor. I'm just saying this morning I'm glad I serve a risen Lord. He's in 
charge, thank God. He sits high in the heaven on a holy throne. The earth is his footstool. The stars sing of his glory. The sun shines of his majesty. And the moon testifies of his witness. Thank God. Thank God the waves lift up their voice. And the trees clap their hands. And they glorify the Lord of heaven. He is Lord this morning. Amen. And I receive his lordship. That's just who he is. Amen. What about you, sinner? Will you receive him this morning? I want to say secondly, what will you do with Jesus? Not only will you, will you receive Jesus, but secondly, will you reject Jesus? Will you reject his word? Pilate, I, the Lord gave me this thought this morning. I hesitate to tell it because it's another sermon. But y'all forget it in seven days. And I ain't picking on you. I'll forget it in seven days if I don't write it down. But Pilate looked at the very embodiment of truth itself and said, what is truth? Pilate talked the truth. He could have reached out and touched truth. Pilate, he did more for truth than a lot of people in his day. Do you realize that? It was Pilate that confessed, I find no fault in him. What a statement. We wouldn't have had that statement if Pilate wouldn't have said that. It was Pilate that said, behold the king. It was Pilate that wrote the title over the cross and said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And then when somebody tried to balk him on it, he said, what I've written, I've written. He took more of a stand for Jesus and truth than a lot of people that say they're saved. I'm telling you, it was Pilate that secured the tomb and sealed it and put the soldiers there. It was Pilate that granted Joseph of Arimathea the the privilege to give Jesus a proper burial. All these things Pilate did in honor of Jesus, though he was not honoring him, but yet he did more, my friend, for the cause of Christ and many who claim to be saved but amongst all of that he never trusted the truth he looked at Jesus he looked truth right square in the face and said what is truth and then the next verse says he turned and he went to the people you know what Pilate did in that verse in John 19 he turned his back on truth now here's the question that came to my mind this morning. I thought, Lord, how could a man look at that much truth and not see it? How could a man be that blind? Truth is staring him in the face. Truth is, is within arm's reach. Truth is, is looking at him. Truth is communicating with him. But he don't even know it. How can a man be that blind? You know how a man can be that blind? Only one way he can be. He chooses to be. Pilate chose not to receive truth. When he turned away from Jesus, he turned to something that was more important to him. He turned to pleasures. He turned to prestige. He turned to popularity for fear of the crowd and to give them what they wanted. Oh, I've seen many in church pews get under old time conviction. The Holy Ghost deal with their heart. But my friend, the pleasures of this world was calling them. At the same time, they was looking at truth. I've seen people stand in an altar and tremble and get that white knuckle syndrome as they held the back of the pews and the Holy Ghost rattling their soul saying, come and be saved. And they were looking at truth 
as the invitation was being given. Oh, but my friend, the pride of man held them tight in that pew and took them to a slippery burning hell. I want to tell you this morning, friend, if you ever see truth, you ought to run to it as fast as you can. If God ever pulls the scales off your eyes and lets you see yourself as you really are and see a bloody Savior that loved you and died for you, you ought to tell everything else you know goodbye. You ought to drop everything the devil would ever offer you and run into the arms of a loving Savior. Don't reject him. Don't reject his word. Receive him today gladly. Amen. You can be saved. You can be saved this morning. Oh, more than anything, wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody got saved today? I appreciate the good singing and thank God for the word. But I'm telling you, if somebody walked the aisle and waved the old white flag and said, God, I give up. I can't save myself. I can't help myself. God, I'm a sinking. Will you save me? I'm telling you, that means more this morning than anything else we could do. Sinner, would you hear me this morning? Don't reject his word. Don't reject his will. Don't reject his ways. Come now and be saved while the door of opportunity is still open. Will you receive him? Will you reject Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? I say this in closing. Will you reach others for Jesus? Will you reach others for Jesus? How many people will go to heaven because of me and because of you? Who are we burdened for this morning? Maybe you're here and you say, Preacher, I'm saved, but it's been a long time since I really just got in a closet somewhere, got on my face and wept over somebody going to hell. How long has it been since you handed a tract to somebody and said, will you read this? Jesus loves you and he died for you. We are the light of this world and the salt of the earth. God didn't leave us here. The older I get, the more I am reminded that this life is so temporary. That this life is, the things of this world matter so little. And that the only thing we can take in eternity is our soul and our loved ones. Our neighbors, our friends. Are you living your life so that others can see Jesus in you? When people look at you, do they see a dedicated, consecrated, faithful servant of God? Do they see someone that when they look at their life, it exemplifies the Bible? Are you a little Jesus this morning? You see, that's what Christianity used to mean to generations before us. But sad to say many name the name of Christ but live no different than those that live in this world. They live their life going along as if they have all of this world to live for it, as if there's no consequences and repercussions. But I want you to listen to me this morning. Every one of those that are saved will one day stand at the judgment seat of Christ and those that we could have won that we did not win because maybe of negligence, maybe because we didn't live our life a good testimony before them. One day as we stand before the judgment bar, 
power of God, their blood, their very own blood will drip from our hands, Ezekiel said, because we did not live a life that they could see Jesus in us. I tell you this morning, if we're ever gonna see revival in this land and if we're ever gonna see revival back in our churches again, we're gonna have to get a burden like we've never had for people going to hell. We're gonna have to get concerned enough about souls that it changes the way we live our life, that it changes the way we pray, that it changes the way that we walk. Friend, I'm here to tell you the most important thing is that somebody would see Jesus in you this morning. Now, if you're a murmur and a complainer, people can't see Jesus in you. If you live a loose lifestyle, people cannot see Jesus in you. You can talk the talk, but if you don't walk the walk, then people don't see Jesus in you. If you're slothful and lazy in your Christian life and, and just really church is about the only thing you ever do, people cannot see Jesus in you. And how selfish it is of me to have such a treasure living within me and to not show it and to not share it before everybody that I come in contact with. This morning, I think we could have revival if we could have some church members get on this altar and say, you know what? I haven't been serious in a long time about serving God. I've been lazy. I've been slothful. I've complained, I've criticized, I've murmured, I've had a bad attitude, I, I have found fault, and I, I have just, I have not read my Bible, I have not prayed. I, I tell you, I've got things in my life that, that ought not even be there and that, that grieves the Holy Ghost and, and doesn't grieve me anymore because I have become so numb to living this way. If we could get in order and do business this morning, I wonder what God could do. Brother George, what could God do? And then I say this morning, there are you sitting here that you're visiting and you say, Preacher, I, I had no idea I'd be in a service like this today. I came to church, but I, I didn't know that, that I would hear this message. Well, I want to tell you this morning, friend, you're not here by accident. God brought you here. And the best thing you can do this morning is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Get up out of that seat. Don't worry about the person next to you or around you. Come down to this altar this morning and without shame to be identified with Jesus. Get on your knees and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me this morning. You see, I can do that in my seat, not here, not in this service. Right here is where you can be saved. You say, preacher, you think you gotta get you gotta be on an altar to get saved. I do this morning right here. This is the place you can get saved. Because when you get out of that seat, friend, you're not coming to me. You're coming to him. Make your way to God this morning. Do you have what it takes to face eternity? What will you do with Jesus? Christian, safe person, what are you doing? What am I doing with Jesus today? Are we serious about our service as we stand this morning? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, Christians are praying, and Christians need to come. We need to do business with God this morning. We need to make some commitments on this altar, clean up our lives, get dedicated, consecrated. 
so that people can see Christ in us. There needs to be a difference in our walk, our talk, and how we live our life. And anything that grieves God should grieve us. We should remove it for His glory and His honor. While Christians are coming, and others need to come, how about it, sinner? I wonder if there's somebody here to say, Brother Gravely, don't embarrass me. Don't come to me. But honestly, if I died this morning, I'm afraid I'd go to hell. You don't know me. You don't know anything about me. But I just don't think I'm, I'm ready to face God. I wonder if there's somebody here. Nobody's looking but me and the Lord. But you care enough for your soul just to slip your hand up and say, Preacher, would you pray for me? That's me this morning. And I want you to pray for me. I'm not ready to face God. I'm not ready to face eternity. Would you slip your hand up and let me pray for you? You're in trouble. The Holy Ghost is dealing with you. Why don't you slip your hand up and let me pray for you this morning? I see that hand. I want to face another hand this morning. Just be honest. You can't never get no words with God if you don't be honest. Would you be honest enough just to raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me this morning. I'm in trouble with God. And I'm not right with the Lord. I'm not ready to meet Him. I need your prayers this morning. Is there somebody else here? Very quickly. Pray for me, preacher. Pray for me. I don't want to face God like this. We're going to sing. What page are we going to sing, Brother Brian? 375. Would you get a songbook this morning? Let's sing this song good and loud. I really believe this. I believe the song of the church. I believe the song of the church is what draws sinners many times. I know it's the Spirit of God, but the song of the church is powerful. And if you can sing this song, I want you to sing it with me this morning. 375, while we sing, would you come good and loud?